You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World This Week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national, international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. My name is Joseph Toscari and I take responsibility for any electoral material in this program because we have a state election in the state of Victoria, which this program comes from. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchos without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers. Very simple. Society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people, whether they're elected or unelected or self-appointed? inequalities in power and wealth. The anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve power, that's share power, possibly through direct democratic means, and it's the struggle to hold wealth in common and used for the common good. I was just flicking through the real estate pages, as you do. The Financial Review today has got a very nice uh, insert regarding um, homes around the country. Uh, Most of them are, you know, by... um, offer but occasionally there's a price and there was a nice little house in um, apartment I think in Mossman in Sydney for 26 million and considering I had to step over a few people kind of huddled under blankets this morning to get here to the studios at 3CR I'm thinking to myself what type of a world have we created what type of a world have we created so if you're in, in the struggle to share power and whole wealth in common and use it for the common good whether you like it or not, you're an anarchist. Now, for listeners uh, on the Community Radio Network, the Anarchist World this week has merchandise. That's right, we're trying to pay our debts to the radio station at 3CR and uh, printed 100 Anarchist World this week T-shirts. If you're interested, you can buy one right now. 30 have flown out the door, there's another 70 to go. 039-419-8377. The cost is um, $35 plus postage, which is about $758 or $8, I've forgotten. And half of that money goes towards paying my debt to Community Radio 3CR. Are you worried? I'm, uh, I'm quite worried. I usually don't worry that much because, you know... We have a social security system. I know that people have worked tirelessly over generations to ensure that we have things like three education at the primary and secondary level, 
you know, you know, half decent um, public health system, a social security system. Now these didn't all come out of thin air. They came through struggle. Now, obviously, this country is famous for its historical amnesia, not just in terms of the colonisation process and the disposition of the country's uh, original inhabitants, the First Nations people, but we have historical amnesia about how we found ourselves in this situation we find ourselves today. And that's why, to a large degree, we continue to lose hand over fist many of the rights that we enjoyed in the past in this country because of that historical amnesia. I mean, nothing highlights this more than the public holidays that you have in Victoria. You know, you have one for a bloody horse race and another one for a bloody football match. But they don't have a public holiday in Victoria for May Day. No. They have one for Labor Day, but that's now been taken over by corporate interests. It just highlights the type of country we have when you've got hundreds of thousands of people who've made huge sacrifices to ensure their children, grandchildren, their neighbours, their friends at least have the basic necessities or some of the basic necessities to exist and they're written out of the history books. Now, I'm not concerned with that. That's par for the course in this country. But I am very concerned and I know this will sound like the the ravings of a somebody who's totally unhinged, and it may you may even think it's hyperbole. But I'm very concerned about Australia becoming the next Ukraine. That's right. Now I can imagine a year ago the people of the Ukraine didn't think they'd find themselves in this situation where they were battling uh, Russian imperial ambitions, and now they find themselves in a proxy war where they are the meat and the sandwich, and they're, they're the sacrifice. In this proxy war between the Soviet Union, a minor superpower, the United States of America and the West, and that includes us. So here they are in this horrific proxy war, with no end in sight to this proxy war. And it reminds me of the 70s, you know, and 60s, when the Soviet Union and the USA were looking at each other over the fence. And there were proxy wars around around the the planet, in Angola, in Mozambique, in Venezuela, you, know, you name it, every South American country, almost every South American country was ravaged in these proxy wars. Dictatorships were created in these proxy wars. Hundreds of thousands, millions of people died in these proxy wars between the superpowers. Look at Vietnam, look at Kampuchea, you know, and the list goes on and on. So what's my concern? Well, I'm very concerned. Look, I'm an old man. It doesn't really matter what happens to me at the end of the day. You know, I've, I've had seven good decades on this planet. I'm a very fortunate human being. But I'm very concerned about my fellow Australians, my neighbours, my children, my grandchildren, friends, even my enemies. I'm very concerned because here in Australia we are setting the scene for a major proxy war between the world's two superpowers, not the minor superpower like Russia, but the two superpowers, China and the United States of America. 
And we've put all our marbles in the US bucket. And every day, we're seeing more and more and more United States intervention in this country's foreign policies. We are seeing a huge extension of Pine Gap, the American base outside Alice Springs. We've seen the creation of new alliances between the US, England and Australia, the purchasing of nuclear submarines, the B-52 bombers with nuclear capabilities being based in the Northern Territory. We've seen thousands, if not tens of thousands, of US troops rotated through Australian bases in the last few years. Naval exercises, sabre-rattling, extraordinary amount of sabre-rattling, as if these policies have no consequences in the real world. And when you get both major parties, both the Liberal National Party and the Australian Labor Party, commonly known as the Alternative Liberal Party, embark on the same foreign policy adventurism, you begin to really, really become concerned for this country. Because, you know, unlike Israel or South Korea, we haven't been provided with a missile defence shield, which isn't effective anyway most of the time. I mean, here we are, all the way with USA. For what? Because we think they will protect us when we're invaded by the yellow hordes. I remember that slogan in the 1960s. You know, remember this picture of the Australia, Australia? We had to fight them in Vietnam, otherwise they'd come through Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, and, you know, eventually conquer Australia. Now, although the people in the Ukraine are in a difficult position, geographically, they have escape mechanisms. And their neighbours, Poland, Romania, Hungary, have been able to provide temporary protection to millions of Ukrainian men, older men, women and children, I think up to 7 million. Think of us in Australia. Who's going to give us asylum? If we do find ourselves in a proxy war over Taiwan. Now let's not forget Taiwan was part of mainland China since the 17th century. And at the end of the Civil War in 1949 when the Communists took power, the nationalists of Kuomintang leadership escaped to Taiwan, set up a military dictatorship which led to the extermination of most of the original inhabitants of Taiwan, which is now less than 2% of the population. And it's only in the last few decades that a parliamentary democracy has been created in Taiwan. Now, the United States under Biden has said that they will protect 
Taiwan in case of a Chinese takeover. Now, obviously, if that occurs, we will be at the front line of that conflict. And the people in Northern Australia and Northern West Australia, Northern Queensland in the Northern Territory will be at the receiving end of that conflict. And we will see thousands, if not tens of thousands, killed and hundreds of thousands, if not millions, displaced, as we are currently seeing in the proxy war in the Ukraine. And those people who say, well, the missiles can't reach Australia, well, currently... Missiles can reach Australia through aircraft carriers and aircrafts. It's very simple. It's not hard to believe. So what are we doing? Are we trying to form alliances with the people we live with? Now, for example, if there was a, you know, a very nasty neighbour in your street, a very unpleasant person in your street, you wouldn't go there and meet them head on. You would form alliances with your neighbours. That gives you a good chance of actually dealing with the nasty neighbour. But no, not Australia. We put our eggs in the, in the US basket. We don't, you know, we may have signed a treaty, a mutual def- defence treaty in the last few weeks with Japan. And we may be talking about signing something with South Korea. But these two countries are basically like us, US allies, and rely on the US for most things. How about our relationships with Indonesia, the fifth largest country, I think, in the world as far as population is concerned, fourth or fifth? How about our relationship with Malaysia, Singapore, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Laos, the South Pacific. What are we doing? What, our, what is our government doing behind our backs? Putting us in this exceptionally difficult situation. It may sound like hyperbole. But knowing that Xi Jinping has been elected or appointed for another five years as supreme leader of the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese government, and knowing that, like Putin, he would like to leave his mark in history by reclaiming Taiwan as part of China and seeing the military build-up in our part of the world, There is great cause for concern, and the cause for concern is there seems to be little, if any, resistance, apart from, you know, a little bit of marginal resistance from, you know, people on the margins like you and me, but little resistance to this so-called defence policy. Now, those of you who think that the only way to survive in a hostile South Pacific is to put ourselves, you know, all the way with the USA, think again. Let's look at the USA's history since World War II. Vietnam. 
15 years of slaughter after the uh, French vacated Vietnam, 15 years, well, they were forced out of Vietnam, 15 years of slaughter, 3 million Vietnamese dead, Vietnamese still dying from congenital abnormalities, from the defoliants which were used in Vietnam almost 50 years ago, 45,000 American troops dead, over 560 Australian troops dead for what? Today, Vietnam is one of our major trading partners. They weren't the big threat that everybody thought they were. And what did the USA do? It cut and ran. When the losses became too heavy, when the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese outlasted the United States present, they cut and ran. And within two years... The government they left behind in South Vietnam had collapsed. Let's move forward a few decades to Iraq. Look what happened in Iraq. That was an invasion which wasn't supported by many Australians. The uh, mythical weapons of mass destruction never turned up. Look how the country was laid waste. How many died? Some say over a million. And once again, we saw the United States cut and run. Let's look at Afghanistan. 20 years in Afghanistan. We're obviously of Australian assistance. 20 years. And when push came to shove and the cost was a bit too high, the United States withdrew, withdrew its troops and the 350,000 Afghan army was defeated within two weeks by a force of less than 70,000 Taliban. And what's happened to the people in Afghanistan, which the United States and Australia introduced so-called parliamentary democracy to? What's happened to all those people that have been left behind? Once again, we saw the United States cut and run. And one of the most noxious examples is what happened in North and East Syria. When Islamic State was sweeping down into Iraq, the only forces which resisted the Islamic State were Kurdish forces and Arab forces in North and East Syria, who were initially supported by the United States they lost over 15,000 young men and women in that fight and they continue to exist as an autonomous, self-governing region in North and East Syria. And those of you who may remember, we did an interview, a 10-part interview with uh, people in that region about a year ago. And what happened to them? They brought Islamic State to its knees. They allowed the Iraqi army to defeat it. They lost over 15,000 young men and women in that struggle. And many of those who died were people from Europe who came across, and even in Australia who came across to assist them in that struggle. They've been left defenceless. They've allowed the Turkish government to invade the area and they continue to use drone strikes almost on a daily basis, killing innocent people. We hear about the drone strikes in the Ukraine, but we never hear about the uh, 
drone strikes in the autonomous regions of North and East Syria. So once again, cut and run. So why is Australia any different? Is it because we're the same colour? Is it because we have the same culture? Don't you think that the US will cut and run if in that dispute around Taiwan its sovereign integrity is challenged by the Chinese government? Do you think they will remain behind to the last man and the last plane and the last bomb to defend us? Obviously not. They have a history of deserting their so-called allies when it's in their interest to desert their allies. So this foreign policy we have embarked on is a policy that should raise concerns for each and every Australian. Unless you're willing to sacrifice your children and your grandchildren and your friends on the altar of American expansionism and imperialism, then you should be involved in struggles to ensure that the foreign policy we pursue is a foreign policy which protects our national integrity and protects the people in this country, not puts them at an unnecessary risk. You're listening to The Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Let's move on to a few less difficult issues. Just remind people that the Francesco Fantine Memorial will be held at the Murchison uh, Ossery, Murchison Graveyard, uh, that's in regional Victoria, at 10am on the 13th of November, which is two Sundays away. Now, Frances- why, why, why Francesco Fantine? Now, this is the interesting thing. is now, look, If we get involved in a war, a proxy war with China, with the US help, what's going to happen to the one million Chinese in this country? Are we going to do what we did in World War II and intern them as enemy aliens? Hmm? Italians, Germans, Japanese who had lived here for decades, including my uncle, were interned as enemy aliens. Now, Francesco Fantini was an anarchist, an anti-militarist. He was anti-war. He was a refugee from Mussolini's Italy who came to this country in the early 1920s and was involved in anti-fascist activity, trying to wake up the Australian people to the dangers of fascism at the very moment when the fascist movement was growing exponentially in this country in the 20s and 30s. And he devoted 20 years of his life to that anti-fascist struggle. And he was arrested as an enemy alien in 1941. And he was placed in an internment camp, concentration camp, internment camp, for enemy aliens, although he had fought against Italian fascism for over 20 years in this country and had fought against Italian fascism in Italy. And he was interned in 
with hundreds of known Italian fascists and prisoners of war. And he was brutally murdered while stooping down for a drink. He was beaten to death by a four, with a 4B2. At the end of the war, Francesco Fantine's bones and the bones of over 200 other Italian prisoners of wars and internees were collected by the Australian Italian community and placed in a mass ossuary, each with their own individual compartment in Murchison. In death, the fascist lay side by side with the anarchists. Men and women who'd been interned were laid side by side. In death, they were all equal. So on the, on the, um, on the Sunday closest to the 11th of November, Armistice Day, we celebrate his life. So you're welcome to join us. You don't have to ring anybody. Turn up at 10am. The last few years, we've been the only people there, but this year... Uh, the Italian community, I understand, will be once again gathering. What usually happens is, uh, as a gathering, we show respect, they show respect. Uh, they usually have a traditional Roman Catholic Mass. At the end of their particular ceremonies, we hold a small ceremony to remember Francesco Fantine. Not just remember Francesco Fantine, but remember what happens in war, where your nationality, not your politics, not what you do, defines you as an enemy alien. And with this proxy war heating up in this country, as far as Taiwan is concerned, it's something we should be thinking about seriously in this day and age. Let's move on. Right. Now, everybody thinks the ALP are wonderful people. Well, most people listen to this program anyway, not everybody. Guess what they've just done? Remember these industrial relations packages which have actually gone through Parliament, which are supposed to protect working people? Guess what? The most radical union in Australia today, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, has been kicked in the face, kicked in the teeth, by the current legislation. Because under the current legislation, only registered trade unions are able to conduct activities in the Fair Work Commission on behalf of their members. And Coles and Bunnings and McDonald's have all had their nose blooded over the last few years by the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. And they campaigned vigorously for the federal government and its new industrial relations program, which is supposed to protect workers, to cut out unregistered unions from the agreement. Although they may have some minimal rights to take up cases to the Fair Work Commission, their ability to take up cases to the Fair Work Commission regarding 
how their members are exploited has now been removed. Thank you, Alternative Liberal Party, masquerading as the Australian Labor Party. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. This leads me to the campaign I'm conducting, Toscana, with obviously with lots of assistance, Toscana for Mulgrave campaign. It's based on positive human-focused reforms. Now, a lot of people are saying to me, Joe, why are you attacking the Premier? Well, I'm not attacking the Premier. I've got nothing personal against the Premier. But I'm totally pissed off with the policies which have been pushed by the so-called socialist left faction of the ALP, which currently controls the Labor Party. I have never seen such an extreme sellout. $36 billion of privatisation in the last eight years. The Port of Melbourne, the Titles Office, the Registry Office, and the list goes on and on. The privatisation of the public housing sector. The promotion of private business through these so-called construction blitz, which is occurring around Melbourne and a little bit in regional Victoria, but mainly Melbourne town. While the state government has refused point blank to satisfy basic human needs. Think about it. Basic human needs. At the beginning of the program, I said there was a nice house in Mossman, Sydney, going for $26 million. And obviously there are nice houses around the place going for that price. But in our community, not just in Victoria, but the rest of Australia, there are people who are homeless. There are people who will be losing their homes because of increasing interest rates. There are people who are spending 40, 50, 60% of their income to keep a roof over their head in the private rental market. So what does the Victorian Labor government do? It privatises public housing. It pours money into private investment, community, affordable, so-called social housing, to provide housing, cutting and running, from their responsibility to provide housing security for people in this state. Collecting stamp duty on real estate, six, seven, eight billion dollars a year, and using that stamp duty money not to create and provide public housing, but to run their little construction blitz, selling them Port of Melbourne to get rid of a few, you know, level crossing. I mean, I, I travel a lot in my job, although I'm only working part-time these days. I can travel up to a 1,000 kilometres a bloody week in the city of Melbourne. And I can assure you that removing level crossings really hasn't done much to improve my life. You see, this is the beauty of a construction blitz. You can see things. You can go down to Bond Beach and see one, a massive railway station which is bigger than the suburb itself 
You can see all this gold-plated construction. Who's making hay? It's the construction corporations in this state. It's the transurbans of the world which go into private partnerships with the state government, you know, to dig a bloody tunnel and then get a 40-year extension of their lease on charging tolls. One of the most profitable businesses in this country. And if you are into stocks and shares, people keep telling you to buy Transurban because obviously they've got a super highway to the Victorian Treasury. So where's that security? Energy security. Where's energy security? Education security. I mean, I know I talk about this every week, but I just find it extraordinary. This year marks the 150th anniversary of three compulsory secular education in Victoria. Victoria was the first place on the planet in 1872, and to a significant degree as a result of the Eureka Rebellion, which I'll talk about next week. Right? Three secular compulsory education. Today, we have more money going to private schools than public money going to private schools than public money going to state schools. And we have private charities, and I've got nothing against them, charities like the Smith family, doing what they can to raise money to send kids, Aussie kids, right, to public schools. <laughs> what a loss. Extraordinary. Then we see the fiasco in the state health system. And let's talk about food security. Give me a break. There are so many organisations providing food for Victorians and the rest of Australians. You realise what's going on in the world. That a country as rich as Australia cannot even provide enough food. One million children living under the poverty line. Just extraordinary. So, look, the Toscana for Mulgrave campaign, look, it's a minuscule campaign. Let's be realistic. I've got a snowflake's chance in hell of unseating the Premier of Victoria. And most likely I've got a snowflake's chance in hell of giving a little bit of heartburn. But the fact is, the government's responsibility at a state level should be to provide food security, health security, energy security, education security, housing security to the residents of the state they govern. And this also should be provisions for recreation for people who never get a chance to have a holiday. And if you think this doesn't affect you, think again. Increasing inflation, increasing interest rates. As a reserve bank, attempts to dampen inflation, which dampen demand. Inflation not created by demand, but inflation created by a lack of goods because of the COVID-19 restrictions. And we see escalating interest rates, which mean rents go up, mortgage repayments go up, business loans go up. And we shrug our shoulders. But have you noticed one little interesting thing during this inflationary spiral and this increased in interest rate spirals? Corporate profits have continued to go up. 
Well, people with mortgages who pay rents are being squeezed and every little drop of blood is being squeezed out of them. Corporate profits continue to rise. Look at the ANZ Bank, a great beneficiary of increasing interest rates because they just pass them on holus bolus. 14% increase in profitability. And every major corporation on the planet, or in this in this country, increase profits. Now, you would think, you would think that in this situation that people would start to think, wouldn't you? You would think that people would look beyond their immediate needs and think to themselves, why is it so, like Professor Julia Sumner Miller used to say, why is it so? Well, I've been fascinated by the Toscano for Mulgrave campaign. I'm very, very grateful to the people who've provided financial resources because to date we've been able to cover our printing costs, although we need a bit of extra money to cover some more printing costs. And I've been very, very, very grateful to the people who turned up last Sunday to put literature in letterboxes. But I have been shocked. It's a little bit hard to shock me by the lack of interest, not in just my campaign, but in the state election in Victoria. I think to a large degree, people are resigned to the fact that the government is going to be re-elected. They're resigned to the fact that nothing will ever change. And that's the dilemma. We seem to be resigned to the fact that human beings cannot change the trajectory that society finds itself on. That we can't change the privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, deregulation mantra which dictates most of our lives. Now, the Toscano for Mulgrave campaign is a very, very, very reformist campaign based on positive human-focused reforms. And you would think, you would think that it would gain a little bit of traction. When you're looking at the slogans of the major party, the ALP slogan is, you'll love this, doing what matters. Well, what bloody matters? If food security, energy security, health security, education security, recreation and housing security doesn't matter, what matters? Doing what matters? Digging holes and building shit? Then we have the Liberal Party, those doyens of incompetence. Real solutions for all Victorians. What are your bloody solutions? Real solutions for all Victorians. Now, when you look at the campaign literature that we're putting out in Mulgrave, you'll notice that this little, you know, A5 double-sided leaflet on one side of the policies, uh, my picture takes up about, ooh, maybe 2% or 1.5% of the uh, leaflet 
And on one side we have policies, on the other side we have ways to finance the policies. And this is the radical bit about the campaign. How do we fund these policies? Well, we squeeze the bastards who buy $26 million houses. And how do we squeeze them? A 1% super land tax on landholders, individual business and corporations who own more than $5 million of property in Victoria. Ka-ching! A 1% rent tax on individuals, businesses and corporations who pay more than $5 million rent annually. Because, see, a lot of lovely corporations don't own property, they rent it because you can get a tax deduction, but we'll catch them out there. And a 1% turnover tax on businesses and corporations who use virtual platforms who pay minimal rent and payroll tax if they have a turnover of more than $5 million annually. All these new virtual platforms which have destroyed many small businesses, we can catch them out too. And obviously, 50%, a miserable 50%, of sales tax revenue on real estate to be quarantined for public housing. You could house 100,000 Victorians every year, a million in a decade. Simple. And all those people who are worried about the construction boom and all the workers who will be unemployed, well, they could be employed doing positive things instead of building bloody tunnels that go nowhere. Maybe they could build more public housing not in terms of huge mega blocks, but in terms of individual houses, or you could spot purchase houses. Extraordinary. Unfortunately, my experience is that people are either resigned to the fact that nothing will change and there's no point, and that's exactly, exactly what that 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange of communication love about us that we think they're so powerful that nothing will ever change irrespective of what we do. Now, look, if you're involved, if you're interested in the Toscana for a Mulgrave campaign, and I can understand if you're not interested, but if you're interested, this Sunday, the 6th of November, from 9am to 6pm, I'll be sitting under the palm trees at the Springvale Railway Station, which is part of the electorate, right? And I've got 23,000 leaflets left to be distributed in letterboxes or to be distributed in the electorate. The electorate is 35 square kilometres. It stretches from Ferntree Gully in the north to Heatherton Road in the south, from the East Link Tollway and Dandenong Creek in the east to Westall Road in the west. It encompasses about 30,000 homes. And it's our ambition to at least place one leaflet in every letterbox to give people an alternative viewpoint. Now, if you look at much of the literature that's coming through your letterbox, irrespective of where you live, you've got a big, big picture of a nice-looking human being with a lovely background and a slogan and a name. That's the campaign. That's why the ALP slogan is doing what matters and the Liberal Party slogan is real solutions for all Victorians. Vacuous statements. You look at the literature that I'm putting out, policies, how to fund them, positive 
human-focused reforms. Now, you don't have to ring up. Just turn up on the day. If you can't do any leafleting on the day, collect some leaflets, do it later on. We'll allocate a specific area for you. It takes about three hours to letterbox 500 leaflets, about six hours to letterbox 1,000 leaflets. It is not a great chunk out of your day. And a Sunday, the 6th of November, is going to be a sunny day. It's a pleasant day, a pleasant walk, explore a new suburb, come along, get involved. Because the process is just as important as the outcome. And you can't expect people to make decisions when they're not presented with alternatives. Now, if you want further information, you can go to the Facebook page, Toscano for Mulgrave, or my personal page, Joseph Toscano. Uh, there's a lot of information about what's happening there. Now, just in case any public interest before corporate interest members are listening, uh, the um, YouTube channel, you just put youtube.com forward slash at pipsi, P-I-B-C-I slash A-U. That's right. Uh, the AGM will be held this evening. It's, that's Wednesday, the 2nd of November this evening, 6 to 7 p.m. It'll finish at 7 p.m. sharp, 6 to 7 p.m. You turn up after 7, it's, we're gone. AGM, we need to do an AGM, 6 to 7 p.m., Clarendon Street, East Melbourne, near the bandstand. Uh, you can't miss it, exactly, exactly the same place we had it last year. And if we don't get a quorum, we will recall the meeting for early next year. Let's move on. NDIS and aged care packages. How do you destroy a good idea? This is a classical, classical situation, what we see consistently in every area of human endeavour in a private investment for private profit situation. The National Disability Insurance Scheme is a wonderful thing. The concept behind it is a wonderful thing. And I was involved for 40 years in a struggle to get a National Disability Insurance Scheme on the table, on the books in this country. And aged care packages are also wonderful things. But unfortunately, what were wonderful things have now become private enterprises, a superhighway to the Treasury at a federal level. We've seen privately registered organisations provide the service at extraordinary costs. There are people I speak to, and I've been involved as a medical practitioner now for 47 years, so I'm very familiar with both of these packages, as most of my work revolves about people with people with profound physical disability after trauma who need assistance, who need the NDIS, who need aged care packages if they're over 65. And I've been astounded, astounded by the way the funds that have been allocated to them have been ripped off. Ripped off by the private sector. It's not unusual as far as some aged care packages to see 
of taxpayers' fun go into private organisations and private corporations' pocket, up to 70%. And up to 50, 60% of NDIS packages go into paying for services from the private sector. And what's even more distressing, as we saw with the aged care sector, is how initially you may have a lot of small businesses competing, but within a year or two, you have these large corporations which now dominate, dominate these industries, and they are industries. And the hemorrhaging of taxpayers' funds into their pockets is just extraordinary. So that is what's killing the National Disability Insurance Scheme, the aged care packages. That's what's killing it, is the fact that we have allowed the private sector, as we saw with aged care, we allowed the private sector to manipulate taxpayers' funds in order to make a profit. So how do you make a profit from a National Disability Insurance Scheme or an aged care package? or a privately owned and run nursing home. It's very simple. You either squeeze your clients, and that's what we see NDIS and aged care packages. You squeeze as much money as you can out of your clients. For example, you've got a flat wheel on you got a flat wheel on your wheelchair and you need some assistance, right? You call one of these private companies, call out fee four hundred dollars hmm? get a nurse to come to look after a wound call out fee 200 250 dollars unfortunately the poor nurse will get 35 40 dollars and the rest goes to the corporation which uses a virtual platform to run that particular scheme and the tragedy is that many of these corporations which now run these schemes are religious based organisations who talk about, you know, peace and service, but mainly service to the community. It's basically service to their basic religious organisation. So you squeeze your clients or you squeeze your workers or you squeeze the taxpayer. And that's what we're seeing. So don't blame the NDIS or the aged care packages, the concepts, but blame the real reason we are find ourselves in this terrible situation is because we've gone down the private investment for private profit pathway. Don't blame the public sector. I mean, the public sector may be slow, but at the end of the day, you can get real value if you have a public sector which is respected by the government of the day, not have its staff removed in order to provide resources to the private sector. But unfortunately, we don't seem to learn. We don't seem to learn. See, the although the aged care packages and the NDIS is a federal scheme, the fact is that state governments and local governments have now washed their hands of providing services to the people they have provided service to in the past, which has compounded the problem. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. 
The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, a few things coming up. Just like to remind you, just in case you're interested. You may be interested, you may be not. That's up to you. Obviously, it's up to you, not up to me. I mean, there's no point crying and cringing and carping. You know, there's no point being a crying, cringing, carping, complaining consumer. Nobody cares about cringing, carping, complaining consumers, but they do care about people who are stand up and want something more. So a few activities you may be interested in. If you're interested in public interest before corporate interest, turn up at the AGM, 6pm to 7pm this evening, Clarendon Street, Bandstand, Fitzroy Gardens. Simple. If you can't make it, go to the website, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can join online. It is so simple. The extraordinary thing is few, so few people join, but... You can join online. It's there. It's easy. Now, if you're interested in the Toscana for Mulgrave campaign, some positive human-focused reforms and ways to fund them, and that's the key, well, turn up this Sunday, any time between 9am to 6pm, Springvale Railway Station. I'll be there coordinating the distribution of leafleting. There's 23,000 leaflets left to be distributed You're more than welcome. Three hours it'll take to do 500, six hours for a 1,000. Turn up, you'll be allocated a space. If you can't do it on the day, you can pick up the literature and come back another day and do it. Simple. Put out some ideas in the Premier's electorate. Now, remember, Mr Andrews is a professional politician. He's got his BA or whatever he got from Monash University. He went and worked for a minister's office. He got pre-selected for Mulgrave, won the seat and has held the seat since 2002. Lots of life experience there. Unfortunately, so you see, life experience doesn't really matter anymore. 47 years as a doctor, 55 years as a community social radical activist, uh, what, 45 years as a community radio broadcaster. Maybe I've seen a little bit more. So it's up to you. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is a podcast. I take responsibility for any electoral material on the program as we are now in an election phase in the state of Victoria. I'd like people around the country to think about getting yourself an Anarchist World This Week t-shirt. The number to ring is 039-419-8377 or go to the website 3cr.org.au. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World This Week. We have no real solutions for all Victorians or Australians, none whatsoever, and we don't know what matters, but we're there punching above our weight. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World This Week on your local Community Radio Station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.
Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Be a part of your community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.